What's up, interpreters? It says I Chico. I am the vice president for programs for the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, also known as ASALA. What's up, interpreters? My name is Aria Roy. I am the partner historian for the Association of African American Life and History, also known as ASALA. What's up, interpreters? This is Parker McMullen Bushman. I am the president for the National Association for Interpretation and so excited for this interview. What's up, interpreters? I am Paul Caputo, NAI's executive director. So excited to be speaking with Aisha and Ariel, and along with my co-host, NAI president Parker McMullen Bushman. Parker and I had the the genuine privilege and honor to attend the Asala Conference in September in Jacksonville, Florida. It was an incredibly powerful event, and uh, I personally learned a ton and got to meet so many amazing people. The first question I have is for uh, about Asala in general. Like, what is Asala, and and uh, you know who are your members, and and what's the the purpose of the organization? So Asala is was established in 1915 by Dr. Carter G. Woodson in Chicago, Illinois. And he created an organization because there was a need to under to have the preservation and study of black black people's experiences. Um during 1915, you have the birth of a nation, um, the film that was released that was very inaccurate about this the history of black people. Um he himself was told that. Black people doesn't have a history, and he saw that that was that was definitely incorrect, and he wanted to create a, a space and a place where the this history was studied, appreciated, and then promoted um, across the across the country. He created two publications that we still publish today, um, including the Journal of African History, what's known as Job and the Black History Bulletin, um, also on the BHB. BHB uh, was geared towards educators and teachers, and that was a way to promote Black history in schools and to provide uh, tools for teachers who are wanting to teach Black history um, in their curriculum. Um, he is also known as the father of Black History Month uh, because he established Negro History Week in 1926, and went on to create um, National um, sorry, Black History Month uh, in the 1970s. The Omegas, um, which was his fraternity, helped to really promote Black History Week and Month um, across the country. And it is now celebrated in America as well as in the UK. But the UK celebrates theirs in October. And we celebrate ours in February. Um, there's often a misconception about why February was chosen. Uh, colloquially, people think it's because the shortest month. Um, that is uh, inaccurate. And it was because it was um, chosen in February because to honor the two um, presidents we have in uh, February. We have Lincoln and, um, and Douglas. Excellent. Thank you so much for that background information about Asala and, and the work that you do. Um, I have a question for you, and uh, you know, I'm I'm wondering what are some of the challenges that you and your members face 
in telling the stories of African-American life and history, like we're seeing all sorts of things across, you know, the U.S. where um, where people are even creating laws and kind of changing how we teach Black history and what stories are being told. And I'm wondering, you know, how this is playing out uh, for all of you and if there are those challenges or others that you all are dealing with. Yeah, so I'll I'll start off with this one. Some of the challenges we face, as you mentioned, Parker, like the, the changing political climate that we're in right now. And some people have gone as far as to say African-American history is racist. And they're blatantly segregating uh, the history, not knowing that African-American history is American history. It's the holistic full telling of the country's upbringing and the country's culture, the country's social life, social history. So we have we constantly are dealing with our members and the, and our partners in Asala, like, well, well, like, what do we do? Like, uh, how do we how do we fight this? And, you know, it's that's one of the one of the biggest challenges that we face, as you know, that we were in Jacksonville, Florida, which is kind of like the battleground and the, one of the principal states that's kind of leading this 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 sort of these sort of challenges and it just and it just makes it much harder because we're already dealing with challenges internally because we 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 here at Asala want to teach our youth their African American history and it's it's imperative for us to get that into schools as well also to to do outreach with the communities and for and just for for the community to have these laws on top of what we're already facing in our community that's just kind of makes it hard, but I will say it, it's a good fight and it's a worthy challenge. Thank you, Ariel. Um, I definitely concur with what you're what you suggested and just want to include that. But some of the challenges are funding in terms of access to information um, for research and travel around Black history. Uh, I'm an archivist by training and by trade. And so one of the um, challenges that are um, around the access of records and preservation of records for around Black history um, folk, um, including different um, groups of sexualities or different class differences. And so it makes telling the fuller story of Black people's lived experiences difficult. And then there's also the challenge of history being seen as a boring and not as, you know, fiscally um, you know, responsible for someone to go in the career um, that is um, focused on the humanities. And so I think societally, we have a challenge around the cultural heritage being seen as a viable career. And that is uh, something that Asala and I know NAI has been uh, working to uh, advocate for these careers um, in this field. Um, so we definitely need more people to be get into the field that we can have the research, have the study, have the materials in this arena. You know, it's it's interesting when I hear about the work that you're doing organizationally, because there's so much overlap. And Parker and I obviously discovered this when we were there at the conference. Parker and Sean Halifax presented a, a pre-conference workshop on interpretation, essentially, and the role it can play in, in teaching about African-American life and history. Why did you all feel, uh, from Asala's perspective, that it was important to bring in 
Parker and Sean and to have this session on interpretation. What was what's the overlap between what you're doing and and what NAI is doing with interpretation? When so Acorn, as Ariel mentioned, they uh, Acorn partnered with the uh, AAAM, which is African American Museums um, Association. They partnered on a grant to provide Acorn sites with funding, and so Asala is an Acorn uh, member. And so when um, this opportunity was floated to us, I knew immediately that NAI was uh, a partner that I wanted to reach out to because interpretation is part about the lived experiences, telling stories and exploring this history. Asala is not just about the academy, but is about the public as well. And so how to translate you know, the ivory tower, one would say, into the public information and uh, be able to encourage people in, about why historic sites, why buildings, why these stories are important and give people the tools to do that, right? So I thought having the NAI workshop at the conference would give people access to these skills that wouldn't necessarily be possible um, get access to. To have like career options as well. I mentioned earlier about having um, encouraged the different variety of career options for individuals that are in cultural heritage to not just be a professor, but you know, there's opportunities to be an educator, be a public historian, to be an interpreter um, at these sites. Uh, we also want to involve the ACORN um, folk because some people are at these sites but don't have the training. Um, they've just been pushed into or even advocate for themselves to be in these positions, but they don't have the tools to um, to do it. And so that's why the ACORN partners was important to bring into this workshop as well. Yes, and I 100% agree with Aisha. Like, like she mentioned, the session was geared towards ACORN. For those who don't, don't know well, why we say ACORN, this stands for the African-American Civil Rights Network. It is an MPS program that talks about African-American civil rights stories and histories. And we wanted to inform the public and, and the ACORN community about the, about the uh, the work that NIA is doing and and Parker and Sean did, did a wonderful job. You know, it, it was it was a, a two-part session and I credit them for for holding down the fort, you know, and 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 it was geared towards, you know, Parker discussed like the diverse methods of interpretation. She discussed her own work in interpretation and how she uses what what she's uh, uh, fluent uh, fluent in and to say, I, I'm using this in my own space and I'm claiming my own space. And Sean, he talked about the, his ethics of interpretation towards the end. And it was just, and it was just a wonderful, a wonderful session. And I, I can say from the participants that were there, they truly enjoyed it. And again, we're so glad that NIA was, um, was able to partner with us on this. Yeah, it was really wonderful to to be there and to be able to do that session and to hear from different people who were doing, you know, the the work on on the ground and out meeting with the public. I loved all of the different connections that we were able to make in in Jacksonville and the people that I was able to meet. And so many people are doing interpretation. Like I talked to even people outside of the African American Civil Rights Network. I talked to other people who were doing interpretation in in different spaces and talking about the the power of having that frame
framework and that ability to say, you know, oh, I've got this background that helps me understand how to structure the way that I am talking to people about these these topics. Uh, so it was such a cool uh, collaboration. And I loved being, you know, in that space in Jacksonville. It's not very often that I can attend a conference where I am not in the minority, right, where uh, Paul was, but I was not <laughs> in that space. And there was uh, something really powerful about that. But, you know, I did like being there it was great but beforehand you know i had had my worries about traveling uh to to florida especially with a lot of the legislation that was being uh handed down and then we're going for this um black history conference in a state that's like banning the teaching of, of black history um and so i wasn't sure how i would feel but i really was uh inspired by the way you all frame this as like going to the fight and like we can't leave behind and not think about the people who are living in these these place, places, right? Uh, there are people who don't have the opportunity to leave, don't have the opportunity to move and are having to deal with the this uh, oppression. And then to say that we're not going to offer these opportunities to be in community or whatever because of the government that you don't necessarily agree with is, is you know, making these things is, I think is huge. And we need to show that, that support. Um, and so I would ask you all, like the conference in Jacksonville was powerful. It blew my mind. What lessons did you all take away from holding your event in a place that was so politically charged? Thank you, Parker and Paul. I think it was, i so glad you guys took away from um, the conference what you did. That's the point, right? So we knew we couldn't do a standard academic conference, because that wouldn't get people excited about coming to Asala or coming to Jacksonville. And so we knew we had to do things differently. I credit, as part of the past three years, we've received funding from um, the Howard Mellon, uh, sorry, from Howard University, which got funding from the Andrew Mellon Foundation to do social justice work. Um, and we've been doing that for the past three years. So the leaders of that grant project, uh, Michelle Pouchot and Lisa Brock, brought to us the idea of uh, doing a banned book readout at, for the conference. And then they made the connections themselves. They did the outreach. They um, did the, the planning, all the, all the logistics um, together. And they put a proposal together to, for us to, to the, apply to the Asala Effective Council. And it was come, come convincing. We had to convince some people that this was an important aspect of the of the conference of coming to Jacksonville. That it wasn't just enough to have sessions and papers being read, but we needed to be active and be out there visibly and put our bodies, you know, out there um, as well and take up space in Jacksonville um, so that people recognize that we were here, that we were advocating Black history, that we are not going to go away. And that was very important to to, to the broader EC, um, really, and then really to the Jacksonville people. So um, 
Parvasala, we have branches all over the country and we have a really strong uh, membership in Florida and a really strong branch in Jacksonville. And so the Jacksonville leadership of Asala really advocated for this as well. And they really advocated for us to come to Jacksonville. They wanted us there. And they, as you mentioned, Parker, said we couldn't, we can't leave people behind. And so on those, all of those elements led us to come Jacksonville and to be steadfast in that effort. In terms of lessons, we learned really that community buy-in is vital and you can't be successful um, with community outreach without local community buy-in, right? We can we can we come to any city in the USA and put in a conference and just be, you know, boilerplate. But to have a successful conference to be pivotal and to have an impact, you know, we need to have community buy-in and to build allies um, to for the conference. Having a message was very important to us. We messaging around we going to the fight was important to advocate to members about why they should come to Florida. Um, even if they couldn't physically come, we can fund by donation or attend virtually. Another part that we um put out to our membership. And it was really brought the association together. It was really, really heartwarming to see how the membership and even those who are not members are able to come and be in community with each other um, in Florida. That we did, as you mentioned, have some people that were uh, questioning why we were coming to Florida. But Sylvia Cyrus, who is our Sala ED, um, and our Master President Marvin Delaney, always quote around the freedom fighters, you know, the free the bus riders, right? They did not, they went to the South. They came to where people were to support people and to give them the information that they needed to make change. And that is what we were doing. We were not going to shy away from this because this really is a attack on, on a solid mission, right? It's basically saying a solid shouldn't even exist. What we're, what we're doing isn't important. And so it was very vital for us to come and it re, re-energized us for who, who we are and what we stand for. And it goes into some of our goals going on in the next few years around creating freedom schools and so, so helping to support other entities who are interested in teaching Black history who are not supported um, otherwise. I, I'm, so I'm going to go a little off script here. This is one of this is not one of the questions that uh, I sent you earlier, but when I spoke at the NAI conference uh, about this experience, that I had personally, and and Parker mentioned, right? Like this was, this was a new experience for me to be in the minority at a conference like this. It's just not very frequent that I'm the only one in the room who looks like me. And so it was instructive and it was appropriately uncomfortable for me, right? Like it was, I think it was a really valuable experience. And one of the occasions where I finally mustered the gumption to raise my hand and ask a question at the end of a session was uh, a session called a state of censorship uh, university of florida african-american studies and it was three professors from the university of florida who were talking about the restrictions on what they can and cannot teach what they can and cannot say what they can and cannot put on social media and uh, as you know as as i'm sure we've mentioned to you our conference is going to be in jacksonville in 2024 and so 
this question of what lessons did you learn by being in Jacksonville for your conference is important for us because, you know, we are having these conversations as well now. And at that session with these three University of Florida professors, I asked the question, I said, what's the value in an association like NAI's, what's the value in an association like NAI being uh, in a place that stirs this, this controversy? And their response was super powerful, right? They said that you all, an organization, interpreters can can tell the stories, can can be the messengers that we cannot be. You know, if if our voices are being suppressed, you all can come here and tell those stories. And I thought that that was just incredibly powerful. And so I don't actually have a question here, but I just wanted to say that that really landed with me and in such an incredible way being at your event and and seeing that that message coming directly from people who are on the ground fighting the fight right now. So so thank you for that is really that's that's like I said I don't actually have a question there but that was just an incredibly powerful experience for me. I guess I do have a question. What would your message to members of NAI who are questioning, you know, should we go to a place like this? You know, we uh, Asala obviously had a very specific fight to fight about, uh, you know, the the telling of African American stories and the teaching of of African American history. NAI is a, a a broader field, right? And people are in in all areas of of interpretation. What what message would you have for for people in NAI who are considering? Do I go to a place like Jacksonville? Uh, thank you, and that, and that's a, a great question. Uh, I would say, go to support the community. As Aisha alluded to, you cannot be in a place where you're hosting in the city without the community's input. So go. And like, you know, like myself, I was a little bit apprehensive as well, you know, but I, I had to go. I, not because it was, it was required for me because of my job, but I had to go. So the community comes first, I'll say, for organizations like like NAI and Asala. I always put the community first, and, and that would be my my first and last and only a piece of advice to the uh, your members. Yes, I would yes, I go, yes. <laughs> um, I would also encourage people who are hesitant about coming to Florida is thinking about what is the purpose of interpretation? What is the purpose and overall goal of your profession? And it's about interpreting history and helping people understand um, perspectives, understand stories, understand people, and you can't do that unless you're in the place, right? Um, and without going to the place and talking to the people about their experiences yourself, you're always going to hear it secondhand and thirdhand. And so, um, so being in this space in Florida, you can able to see what people actually are talking about, what's the feeling of the community, feeling of the of the of, of the culture and then you are able to say yes they this space needs us and i can help provide my assistance in way that i can my expertise all right i love that i just want to we're going to wrap up soon but i really want to ask you all what are your goals for asala in the future what are you hoping for your for your organization for the work that you you do yeah, so my primarily work 
what ASALA is through the African-American Civil Rights Network. And what ASALA is sort of new to ACORN. We, we, we've, uh, they've been accepted since 2022, and I think Aisha can confirm that. And we just, just growing, growing civil rights history, civil rights interpretation, teaching, teaching that and, and using ASALA as that voice, as that platform, you know, uh, involving the youth, as I, as I mentioned earlier before, like getting the youth involved, like Kate, like the uh, high school students, middle school students, elementary students, even college students, because sometimes they, they don't get the full history of African-American civil rights history, which is a very important part in uh, in our history and our storytelling. And also, again, as Aisha alluded to, growing, growing, seeing, seeing historians, preservationists, interpreters, archivists, anyone within the public liberal arts career field to, to like to see that you can have a career in this and it can be a, a lifelong worthwhile career. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that one of one of the goals of Asala is to go membership. Um, and so if anything that we've said today uh, resonates with you, uh, we do encourage you to join Asala. Um, that website is in the link, I'm sure, below. But beyond that, for programming-wise, we have um, Freedom Schools planning that I mentioned earlier to provide case studies and toolkits uh, to support individuals and organizations that are aiming to do this work uh, themselves. Uh, we're also going to be ex expanding and building on social justice work that we've been helping on the past three years. People don't often think of history as social justice work, but it's really, and we talk about today, it really is social justice work, right? It's not just about being on the street all the time, but it's about preserve preservation of history, promoting awareness of records, of information, the conferences that we put on are, are about social, social justice work and providing um, tools and materials for that effort, including doing workshops around professional development and subject areas, creating interest groups for these areas, including interpretation interest group. Uh, we started a food uh, agriculture interest group. So we're trying to provide spaces for our members to to engage with us beyond the conference. Um, so that is uh, one, one of the major goals. And then as we lead up to 2026, we're gonna be having, which is the anniversary of the country, 250th anniversary of the country to have state of a black America kind of town hall series. Because it's important to not just center everything on 2026, but to really have a discussion um, leading up to that around uh, education, about health disparities, about climate change, um, everything that can think about the state of Black America. So the future bright for us, Ella. We are having our luncheon coming back in February in DC. Um, so tickets available now. And then we have a Pittsburgh will be our conference in 2024. So I uh, look forward to seeing you there. Awesome. That is amazing. Thank you both so much for, for coming on and chatting. Uh, I'm so glad for this, this new relationship between our organizations. Uh, I'm so glad on a personal level that I got to experience the incredible event in Jacksonville. 
And I'm so looking forward to more. I'm glad to know you'll be in Pittsburgh. It's in my home state of Pennsylvania. I grew up on the other side of the state in Philadelphia, but I'm just, yeah, it's, uh, and, and Aisha, I really particularly enjoy the notion of history as social justice, because I think that's such an important part of what interpreters are doing is fighting to make sure that the untold stories are told. And, you know, history is not this static thing that is just written once from one perspective and that's it forever. And so I think that that's such an important part of, of this conversation and, and the work that you're doing. So thank you both. This has been uh, such a valuable conversation for me. And I would like to just echo everything that Paul said. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you both and to hear about the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for sharing with us. And I'm so excited for this continued partnership. And interpreters. That's what's up. I think that was pretty good. I think we did. (laughs) And interpreters. That's what's up. (laughs) And interpreters. That's what's up.